Hello, it's Trish and Heather here and we're home design coaches and founders of the Scribble Club. The Scribble Club is an online community for people who like design, healthy and functional homes and are looking for creative inspiration from professional designers. We're so excited to announce our brand new podcast called The Sketchy Ladies. Our podcast is a mix of design and building advice from inside the industry. You'll get simple tips and tricks to help you overcome your design challenges with creative solutions. You'll learn how to create spaces you've always dreamed of but never had the confidence to design. We value beautiful, functional, healthy homes and that's what we're here to help you discover. As qualified designers and busy mums, we understand how your health, sanity and well-being can benefit from a well-designed home. There's no need to settle for second best. Each week you'll get some tips and tricks to help improve the spaces inside and outside your home. Make sure you subscribe to the Sketchy Ladies podcast and this way you won't miss an episode. You can find links to all of the episodes and other goodies at thescribbleclub.com forward slash podcast. The Sketchy Ladies podcast is here to help you create your dream home. Let's make it happen. Welcome to episode 23 of the Sketchy Ladies podcast with Trish and Heather. Today we are discussing F in our first flip formula, which is all about finding the right property to F-L-I-P. Flipping a property. So we want to turn around a property from lower value to a higher value and make some money out of it ultimately. I have done a couple like this myself in the past. We've had a failure when we lost money. We didn't do probably enough of the flip or buy at a low enough rate or hold on to it for long enough to get more money out of it. So the risk of not making any, we actually lost it only a little bit. So we're pretty lucky in that instance. But we've also done some that we've tipped away at where we've actually gone to the full hog and we've actually gutted the place and we've done full new layouts and other bedrooms and we've made a lot of money off so but I think that's the thing is we're never really sure when you're going to make that the best way to go about it so we're in I'm personally in a, in a bandage that I can do the design work and my husband can do a lot of the building work so especially in regards to joinery so we've been really lucky in helping ourselves make money through that process and that helped fund our, uh, our new home that we've built a few months ago. We're really fortunate that to have developed our own process. We've never really held on to our properties. And that's something I'm really interested in to find out and learn more from Heather in regards to flipping other properties. Heather, what is F in flip? So how do we, what is it? What do we do here? Well, the F is about is for find, and it's about finding the right property of flip. And this is really, really important because we know in any given market, there are thousands of properties available for sale. It's all about narrowing it down from having all this access to all these properties down to one that is really ripe for a flip. And it's actually a lot easier than you would think because we can knock out a lot of properties simply by selecting different criteria. We'll talk through that, but really in the first flip, we're not just talking about houses, we're also talking about apartments as well. And what we're wanting to do is what we will call cosmetic renovation. So cosmetic, much like you can attune it to cosmetics that women use on their face, we're putting on or dressing up good bones or good structure. And so what we don't want, which is as important as what we do want, is we don't want anything that needs major work or needs major extension or is missing something. What we really need to do is become a bit of an area expert in terms of the area that we're looking at, how far it is away from our place. We're going to be doing a lot of the work ourselves, then really specialising in what the property needs to have. So the points for success that we're looking at 
is definitely cosmetic renovation only. As soon as we start adding on to something or doing demolition or doing, it adds time, it adds money, it adds risks. So for our first flip, we definitely don't want any of those major things. We don't want to have to make big structural changes in the house. So, oh, it'd be lovely if we just took out this wall, this wall, and this wall. We don't want that. What we want is something where it's pretty, the layout's not too bad as it exists. We don't want anything too complicated where there might be restrictions on what you can and can't do in a given area. We don't want that. And we want something simple and fast and something that's not too expensive and easy to budget. What we really want to do is be able to set a budget, work through it, work through the project and come out the other end without saying, oh, it went up double what I thought it was going to cost me. How many times have you heard Trish in renovations people saying it cost me double what I thought it was going to? Oh, the amount of times they've drawn houses or renovations and they've got to the end of it and, and then talked to their builder. They haven't talked to their builder all the way through and haven't done that right investigation early on. And biggest biggest thing that you see is people overcapitalising and, and in, in areas that they'll never get that money back. They've made this massive house. Not everyone wants a six-bedroom, three-car garage. It's finding that right time to demographic and that's where that research comes into. And I, I know that myself... There, there are certain things in certain areas that can are really attractive to certain buyers and there's especially the demographics of young families and then you've got a different movement, especially here in Tassie, we're seeing a lot of people downsizing. So they're buying from their big farmhouses, the kids have moved out, they only want two bedrooms, one bathroom, they're happy with one or two bathrooms and somewhere to pack the caravan. They don't need these massive homes. But it's this sort of getting that right balance and, and not niching yourself too much, is it, so it's not unattractive. First thing we're going to look at is we're going to pick an area. It doesn't matter what area it is, we're going to pick an area and say we're doing it, we're doing the physical renovations ourselves. So we want to be in close proximity. You can do it remotely, but for your first project, I would never recommend doing it remotely because you can't be there to inspect the works. You're relying on tradespeople that you don't know. Very, very risky. So for our first flip, probably up to 15 to 20 kilometres away from where you live with what I'd be recommending because if you're going to be travelling there regularly, you don't want it to be miles and miles away. If you can't fit that, I mean, if it's too expensive to be that close to where you live, you might have to be going to an outer area of a large city. But what we're saying is don't go interstate, don't go overseas, don't try anything super hard first off because that's going to make your life very, very difficult and open yourselves up to a huge amount of risk and cost. The first thing we want to do is put a ring around our desired area and then we're going to start learning about that area. And what we're going to look at is who lives in that area, what's the ideal area, what's the best part of the area, what's the worst part, where have I got the bright and shiny objects, where have I got the slightly ugly sister that could be tarted up to be a bright and shiny object in terms of the house. And then we want to really look at what we call the median price. What's the average price? The middle price for properties in a given area and then we want to look below that so automatically that cuts out more than 50 percent of our market doesn't it yeah i think you made a really good point is living in an area or the same city nearby you have a good gauge of what those suburbs are like so you know what's attractive there what type of homes or what schools are nearby and you sort of have a little bit more background than if it was an area that you're not familiar with and I know that we've been talking about locations in Launceston. and I have a little bit more insight being a local, so I can help you provide that too. So again, those trades mentioning, like knowing who to talk to, who to trust, because you, if you don't, if you're new to the area, you don't know how to trust them or if they do a good quality job. Some of the relationships in building and in part, part of this finding the property is really with real estates, isn't it, and locals and building inspectors. 
building a, a relationship over the phone or through the Zoom calls or face-to-face can be really important. Mm. The other really important thing is we can have a bad suburb next to a medium suburb or a bad suburb next to a good suburb. We don't want to be buying in a suburb that's got a really bad reputation because there's no way we can get our resale up. So everybody knows where the bad suburbs are in their local area or the bad streets. You don't want to be buying the best house in the worst street. You actually want to be doing the reverse. You want to be buying the worst house in the best street and the best part of the area because you know if you can bring the aesthetics up and make it look better and attract people, they'll want to live in that better part of the suburb. So again, we've knocked out more than 50% of our properties for sale by them being too expensive because we know we can't get that improvement that we're looking for. And we can also probably knock out the bottom, say, 30% of properties because there's something majorly wrong with them. There's a reason they've been sitting on the market. There's a reason they've been discounted. There's structural issues. They've got water issues. They've had thing problems go wrong with them over time that haven't been fixed, a leaky roof, a water leaks, even before we start inspecting properties. A lot of that information is available on the internet when we just flick through the photos. We don't have to inspect the property. We can just use the photos to say, oh, there's clearly some dark marks there or some damage or there's a big tree that's obviously causing issues with the roof. So again, we've already knocked out probably 80% of our properties, 70 to 80% of our properties just by using those criteria. That makes the search so much easier. And I think what the problem is, it's so overwhelming when people go to look for property, they just have no idea where to start. So if we can have a process where we've knocked out a good proportion of those properties before we even start, and then we start getting really, really particular and we want good bones, we don't want any structural issues, we just want cosmetic to be able to do a cosmetic renovation, then probably another half of those aren't even going to be appropriate. For example, they might not have, if you're in a family area and they've only got two bedrooms and one bathroom, you're not going to be able to create something that is going to be appealing to a big family. So again, we've now knocked out another 10%. All of a sudden, we're down to probably only 10% of the total market in that area that we're even looking at. Then we take a deep dive further and we're really narrowing it down, aren't we? Yeah, there's so many things to play at it there. And I, I I strongly believe that getting into that, like one of the biggest red flags this year, just to touch base on your researching when you're narrowing down and filtering out, especially when you're on, on the online services, is if there's no internal shots, it's normally a pretty bad sign that they haven't been able to, the real estate's not confident in going through and taking photos of the internal shots because it's not presentable, it's not going to look good in a good light and get more money for it. There's, there's a little tricks, a few tricks that we offer inside the first flip formula about like, what, what are the red flags and what to look for. So the structural one is something that you've really pointed out a bit and I think that's really important that we want to know through that process any changes we want to make like that we're going into that process within the first week formula. Some of the risks that we want to consider, we're talking about structural, we're talking about foundations. What are some of those things that we can look at upfront, either from photos or visiting, visiting on site? What are those things that we want to be aware of when we're researching these properties? So the structural ones are actually usually a lot easier than you think because they're visible. There will be a crack and the places that we always look for is at the corner of the top of doors or the top of windows. And the reason being is that depending on what sort of soil we've got and what sort of brickwork or other material we've got, they absorb water. So they expand and contract a lot more than people think. And what happens is when they dry out, then they have cracks. So some cracks, it might be what we call a hairline crack, which is only as thick as a hair. That's not so much of a problem. But if you're seeing big chunks of plaster dropping out or you can track a crack inside and then go to the outside of the building and see that same crack, you've got a major problem. Similarly, if you walk into an older style building and all of a sudden 
you see a floor that's kind of dropping away in a corner or something feels spongy <laughs> underneath <laughs> or you, you trip over when you're walking along a flat yeah. floor or you think it's a flat floor. They're telltale signs that the foundations or the supporting structure below has what we call subsidence, drop down in certain areas, might be up and down, which means that the floor undulates and that's really bad. Now, those things can be fixed, but there might be a big price point, a minimum of $20,000 to fix that up to $50,000, $100,000. So we're not going to get value for that because that's not something somebody can see. Where we want to be spending our money is on things that people can see. The other thing is that they will cause unexpected delays. If all of a sudden you're pulling up something that's had a lot of water sitting on it and it's all rotten, not only does it take you longer to replace all that, it costs you more money. Those sort of surprise costs are what we really want to avoid and so much of it can be done up front. And if you're not skilled, we have skills and we're in the game, but even I will just about always get a builder to inspect a property or get a building report on it. And the reason that that is that sometimes they'll pick up something that I haven't noticed. It might be something to do with the roof's got a leak at the point, and then that will help us get discounts on the property because of the issues that have been identified. So always, always get a building report because there's no point buying sight unseen or buying something that you haven't had an expert look at. It's usually under $1,000 to get a building report. That could save you tens of thousands in the buying process and save you hundreds of thousands in the rectification process. So if you are getting red flags at that point, we don't want to touch that property. So it's as much about working out what we don't want to buy as what we do want to buy. Have you got any thoughts on that, Trish? Yeah, just like you're talking about the structure and about the potential movement of, of houses and, and a way of uh, really double-checking in that, and it's something we have in, the, in Tasmania, and I'm sure it's across every other state, is is checking things like the history of the, that area. So we have, especially in Launceston, a lot of areas that are called landslip areas, so it makes the soil is very moody, doesn't doesn't cope with a lot of water, especially if you have a wet, wet winter, and then we have a dry summer, so we've got that shrinkage and that movement happening. So landslip is one of the potential chance that your building is slipping down the hill, and those cracks are a really telltale sign of that movement of the soils. It's an unstable soil. So the research that you can do is, is talking to the local council and, and even right down to your zoning and your, your infrastructure. So when we talk about zoning, we're talking about whether it's a residential area or it might be an industrial area. But then it's also the infrastructure. Do we have any, um, and we talked about this in our previous um, podcast in, in regards to sites, like do we have any easements or are there any pipelines running through our property that could really affect us? Um, and those sort of things are part of that research that you can do that will actually can sometimes relate directly to your structural issues. Um, the other one too, not just in residence, single residence, if we're talking in an apartment building, a really, really good one is to get the minutes from all the body corporate meetings for the last three to five years. Because often in older style buildings, there will be problems that are long running and not fixable, water leaks or mortar falling out of brick joints, particularly in the large cities, some of the earlier buildings, post-war buildings weren't structurally that fantastic when they were built and they've got ongoing issues. So you might be thinking that you're buying a cheapish unit in a block, but the problem with the block might mean that you end up with a special levy to fix the structural problems. It's really important that you do your research, not just about the single unit, but about the block. We've seen some pretty horrific stories 
in major cities where buildings have failed and now people have spent millions of dollars on apartments that are basically worth nothing now. So it's all about doing your research. Don't forget when we're flipping, we could be flipping an apartment, we could be making it up and selling it on. It's not just a house, but it's vitally important that we make sure that we can do a cosmetic renovation. And the other part with apartments too, any sort of work on any of the walls in an apartment will generally require approval from the body corporate and that means that's got to go usually through an annual general meeting so it might be 12 months before you can even get an approval to do that sort of work which is why we say cosmetic only because that would be an unexpected delay all of a sudden 12 months before you can even touch a wall could really delay your project and cause you lots of costs for holding the property that you weren't anticipating. A really good point. As I say, that's a lot of money down the drain just sitting there with potentially without property empty. We've just really talked about research there. A lot of that is that due diligence before purchase, isn't it? It's, it's a building inspector. It's doing your own research. It's contacting body corporates, councils, and real estate agents are not required to do that from what I understand. So it's not, there's no law for them to actually have to do it, is there? So you could be getting no idea what they're selling. They can be very good salespeople. They can be very dishonest, but there are some amazing ones out there that are really honest and they'll actually have those building inspections done before they even list the property. So what, One of those little lingo ones is STCA, which is subject to council approval. So if you see an ad for that on a property, so STCA, that really means it's they don't know whether they can do it or not. They've just put it on there as an idea and you've got to get council approval to do it. That's one to be wary of. But if we're only looking at cosmetic renovations, then in theory, we shouldn't be looking at any development of the block necessarily. It'd be great if you do get one that you might be able to do something further with the block like subdivided, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're really talking about getting something that's very simple and easy because we don't want people to be taking big risks and we want to guide them through the type of cosmetic renovations that will get them the best money, the best bang for their buck. The trouble with doing renovations is you can sink a lot of money into things you can't see. And that's what we don't want. We want to be spending it on the finishes and the layout and the styling that make people fall in love with it. But in order to do that, we need the good bones first. So we want to make sure that we've done our research. So we're now down to about our 10%. We've knocked out all the bad ones. And now that we're down to our 10%, Trish, we're looking at what are the good areas, aren't we? Where we want to be, where we'll get the highest resale. Have you got any thoughts on how we get from 10% down to two properties? <laughs> Sometimes I think it, it can just be the, the individual property and sometimes, and it might not always be, you've got to try and avoid that emotional connection, but it's how you feel when you walk into the property. When you're walking in, what's your reaction? Bring someone else in, what's their reaction? So if your first one is like, oh, that smell, well, well that, that's a bad sign. But then if the other one is, smell doesn't even register, but you walk in and you look straight through this beautiful view, I'm like, is that going to sell it for you? It nearly sells it for me. There can be characters around the building itself that can be really attractive and you can see it's forward planning and forward thinking about, well, how can I make this look better or how can I improve it in, in the sector at the lowest cost, but not just slapping paint on everything, but having something special about it and, and thinking, being really cleverly thinking about that planning. Sometimes the property itself will speak to you. Sometimes the streetscape isn't 100%. It's not what you're looking for, but when you go inside the property, it's got that wow factor, or it could be the other way that you, you can see the streetscape and just look awful, but you clear out the trees, you do put some nice grass down, and then, then you've got your wow factor. So I think for me, sometimes it's more that cosmetic stuff, but where can we find a wow factor here? What is the wow factor and can it be achieved in a way that's going to really attract buyers?
And I think it's really important too. We're not saying just put a bit of paint and carpet down and you'll make a fortune on it. We're saying you have to do other things. But what we're saying is don't go too far because where we see people make mistakes is spending too much on the renovations and not being able to get that money back. If you're flipping a property and you are intending to sell it in a given time frame, might be six months, it might be 12 months, it might be three years. But if you do want to make profit on it, that is better than just the market going up then you're going to have to do a little bit more than just paint and carpet. What we're looking at too, as you say, is there a good layout? Is there a good view? Is there good natural sunlight? Is there things, tick lists of things that buyers will always want? And if you can get more than a couple of those in a property, then you're ticking boxes for resale without even having to do huge amounts of additional work. But if you walk into somewhere and it's dark and dank, and usually that's because it's facing the wrong direction, Often in Australia, if it's facing south, it won't get good sunlight. It'll get musty. It'll get mouldy. So again, we want to make sure that we don't buy the property facing south. We want to buy the property facing north or east that's getting the nice sun and is clean and open because, again, that's just something else that will attract potential buyers. We're definitely saying you've got to do more than just paint and carpet, but we're saying don't go overboard. And also we're saying we know what will get you the most profit at the end of the day, the biggest bang for the dollar that you spend now has the best outcome at the other end. And they're the simple things, as we said, potentially a kitchen renovation. It doesn't have to be a complete remodel. It can be a partial remodel or an upgrade of the bathroom. You might only have to do one or either of those, depending on what sort of property you buy. But you also want to be really careful about what you're producing at the other end. We have a thing called gentrification. And what gentrification means is that people in a suburb, say it might be a post-war suburb where people are elderly and moving out, and we've got young families wanting to move in. It's called gentrification. It's changing from generation to generation. So what has suited a 70 or 80-year-old single female is not necessarily going to be suiting a family with a couple of young kids. So what we've got to do is make sure that the bones of it, we haven't narrowed it down too much so that the only thing we're going to appeal to is a single woman at the other end. What we've got to make sure is that we can then appeal to the family. Often it will have the right number of bedrooms. It might have the right number of bathrooms. It's just that this person over time, their family's moved out. But if it's not, if it's the opposite, if it's really only for a single person, then we're, again, we're not going to get the uplift in value and we weren't going to have families want to buy it because it's just not going to suit their checklist of what they want. That, that checklist, that's what we want to cover in our formula, isn't it? We will provide things like checklists of what to look for or how you niche down on what your ideal future purchase is like we, we go through all of those sort of things right we're helping with the research identifying how to get down to that 10 percent of the properties that are on the market so they're all little things and tips and tricks and all the information that we can provide within the first work formula i'm really excited about what we can offer and what people can do something i do want to touch base on i want to be really careful that we aren't financial advisors we are designers and architects with our own experiences and we're not guiding anyone on where to spend their money or what we're guiding them on is on the the areas that they can potentially purchase and and turn around money so there's no guarantee um, we're just going to try to help you get the best outcome i suppose aren't we 
Well, the thing is, because we're designers as professionals, we have a lot of experience in how to make something look expensive, but not necessarily spend a fortune on getting it. So we can say, okay, yes, spend a bit bit of money on these taps because that'll make a bathroom look amazing, but don't necessarily spend it on this tile. We can use a plainer tile. So they're the sort of areas of expertise where we can be saving money during the process but it's also a sounding board we're professionals so a lot of people in this industry are not professionals they have done they they might have experience or whatever but they aren't qualified professionals and we understand all the rules and regulations the legislation everything that governs the building industry and it's getting more and more regulated and so part of that process is really saying, okay, yes, here's a forum to do it, but we can guide you through right from start to finish in terms of the process. So as you say, we're not buying the property for the people, they're buying it themselves, but we can help them through the whole process of what to do step by step and keep it simple and say, here's a red flag. This is If, if that was me, that would be a massive red flag. So it's really about helping people not make mistakes in the first place. Getting sorted from the front end, doing the planning up the front will lead to a successful outcome at the back end. And as I said, first flip formula, really, really simple little acronym that we use, find, lend, improve and profit. And that's what we're all about, first flip formula. And we know that as professional designers, our unique first flip formula is the key to successfully flipping a house and to getting the best upturn in the market and to building your financial freedom through real estate. Trish, I think that pretty much sums up our finding the right property to flip. I think that's, we just touched on it really well, using the professionals, so using the financial advisors and the brokers to help you make those decisions, the real estate, the the trades and everything too. So engaging the right people and we can help you build the right tribe around you. So I think that's really important. So Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Sketchy Ladies podcast. Next episode, we go into discussing the L in FLIP in our flip, lend with a property investment money partner, which will be really good. So we'll have to see you there. This episode was brought to you by the Scribble Club, our signature group coaching program to help women design beautiful, functional, healthy homes. Check it out at thescribbleclub.com along with so many free resources to help you design and deliver the dream spaces in your home and get the results that you deserve. If you loved this episode, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with your friends on social media and tag us at The Scribble Club. We love hearing from our listeners and seeing your reactions to our episodes. We'd also love for you to leave a review on your favourite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us grow and improve our content. It also helps other listeners to find our show. Have a wonderful day. We're the sketchy ladies and we're behind you all the way.